This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about talking to your aging parents about their finances. And with me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick. And Julie, I think this is a really tough topic for people. It is a lot of times. It's very taboo for most people, and it's not something either you want to dive into with your parents, and a lot of times the parents don't want to share that information with their kids. Right, exactly. So there's resistance on both sides of this conversation. You as the adult who is now faced with the challenge of, oh, I think my aging parent needs some help with this stuff. And your aging parent has resistance because they're like, I don't want you in my business. None of your business. <laughs> Stay out of it. But it absolutely <laughs> it absolutely is a conversation you need to have. It's something definitely because you're going to be handling that no matter what at some point. <laughs> yeah, at some point, that's true. So I also would say it's a conversation that can't wait. Like right. this is an important thing. Once you start to see any level of signs that your aging parent is struggling to effectively manage their finances or if there are some memory lapses or some dementia issues that you're seeing, this is now a conversation that can't wait. Right. And you might be losing that window of opportunity that you can talk to them because if they can't make those decisions, they're going to be even less and less willing to try and start a conversation and then have a meaningful conversation with them. So, Right. Because it's so much better to have the conversation when your parents are healthy and they're in a decent mind space. Right. And even if they are, though, you're going to still have resistance because it's hard to, to build up to the conversation. In fact, I have kind of a funny statistic I'm going to share. This came from a PBSO survey that 54% of adults admit they would rather talk to their own kids about sex than to their parents about aging and their finances. <laughs> So that's how much people don't want to talk about this. Exactly, because nobody wants to have either one of those conversations very badly. Right. (laughs) Yeah, so if you wait until an emergency strikes to talk to your family, it's really not going to be the most effective conversation or the most planful method of helping your aging parents. Right, it's actually going to, you know, even be more difficult to have a real meaning, get anything out of it and just kind of have forward progress. So it's really important to have that conversation, and it's really important to maybe give them time. You're going to have to try more than once, you know, but if you continually bring that topic mm-hmm. up, like, hey, we need to, you might soften them up a little bit and just kind of wear them, you know, give them, then they're going to give in to that conversation. Yeah. Now, giving some thought ahead of time to the way to bring it up can, can kind of um, help it be less awkward. So if you're addressing it by telling your parents that, you know, you have their best interests at heart and you're concerned for their well-being, Or that you're just trying to help them figure out how you can be of help at some point in time if they need it. Then it's going to smooth that conversation out. I mean, listen, your parents likely still love you. So they're (laughs) not going to get too upset if you're starting to ask some of these questions as long as you're not asking them in a what they would perceive to be an offensive way. Or if you're coming at them and just li- literally like, I mean, you should do this or you need to do this or you have to do this. Because mm-hmm. anytime, let's face it, when we're told we have to do something, we put up a wall. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you're giving them opportunities or sharing experiences that you might have had, say, hey, I had a friend who had this situation come up where they didn't talk to their parents right. and something happened medically and they didn't have any kind of power of attorney or any of those mm-hmm. legal documents in a row. So sharing stories that a lot of times is going to kind of put that light bulb on and be like, wow, we really need to create the urgency here. Right. And, and one of the things to keep in mind is that your aging parents do not likely have a desire to be a burden to you. 
Absolutely. And so if they know that there's a path or an avenue to help you make your life easier as their child, then they're likely to take that or at least be open to a conversation about it. Now, it also isn't likely to happen on one conversation. Yeah. It's probably a series of conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one conversation might be about simply where's all your stuff? Like Mm -hmm. if something happens, where do I find all of your documents? Who are your people Mm -hmm. that you trust? Who are your advisors? So I know who to go talk to if I ever need to. Right. And then it might eventually broach into, okay, let's talk about your cash flow. You know, mm-hmm. help me understand what bills get paid, what gil- bills you have to write checks for, what bills are automatic. That broaches into, okay, for you to have like automatic payments set up, where could I find your password if mm-hmm. I ever needed to help you with that or something like that? So being thoughtful and planful about what you need to know and how you're going to approach that really is a key to having a strong conversation about this. Right. I know when I was talking to my parents as the financial planner in the family, I would bring this topic up several times. And my mom's answer was, that's morbid. I don't want to talk about being dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, well... Death is the one thing that we know for sure that you're going to have, and we really got to make sure that we're set up for it. And again, it was several conversations, but when she, when I got down to it where she understood that I'm not just being nosy, it's really, you know, to help them out, to help actually us out, because there's eight siblings in my family. So mm-hmm. to let them know that they didn't want to have us kids have a big old battle, and I said, this is me helping that making sure that that doesn't have that happen. Yeah, Yeah. because we've all heard horror stories about how, you know, inheritances have ripped families apart. Absolutely, And no parent wants to know that that's going to happen with their children, for sure. Once we got around that corner, then she was calling me all the time, did we take care of this? Did we take care of that? Now we fix this, right? So then she was all about it. Yeah, then they're going to feel good about it. Right. You know, and it is hard. Like, it's really hard to face your own mortality. I had a surgery recently, and even just going into the surgery, I was thinking about things like, you know, are all my ducks in a row? Good time to kind of check on everything. And as I was reviewing my own estate plan, I was thinking, is this really the way I want things to roll for my Mm -hmm. kids? And thinking about your kids' lives without you in that is a difficult thing. That's why people avoid it. <laughs> exactly. It's not a fun topic or something to think about. Yeah. Okay. So in addition to talking to your parents, though, the other most important people that you can talk to to make sure that everybody's on the same page is your siblings. Right. Because they're, usually what happens is in a situation where a parent is aging and they're starting to need help, there's going to be one sibling who bears the brunt of the taking care of, taking right. care of them, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes we see one sibling who's more in charge of the financial aspect and one sibling who's more in charge of the healthcare aspects of things. Sometimes we see another sibling who's like going and visiting mom and dad every day mm-hmm. and making sure that their physical needs are met and things like that. But more frequently than not, there's one kid that gets kind of stuck with all of that. And it's usually the kid that lives the closest. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and it's usually, you know, the way. So like I shared, I have eight siblings. So I do the financial aspect of it because I'm the financial planner. Mm -hmm. And I have a sister who's a nurse. So guess what? She gets the healthcare (laughs) side of it. And she lives really close. We actually say she lives very close to my parents up on a hill by their farm because they live out in the country. And we actually say that they live up on Geriatric Hill. (laughs) (laughs) 
So we say, hey, you better be taking care of mom and dad, you know, and checking on them. So it is really important to have those conversations. But you want to make sure that you're talking with the siblings so they know that, you know, someone actually is talking and taking care of the finances or looking into those Mm -hmm. things um, or, you know, questions or concerns that they have are going to be addressed. But you also want to make sure that you kind of have a joint group discussion about what things need to be discussed so not everyone's coming at them all at once right and yeah because you don't want one kid coming at them with these ideas or one kid coming at them with right. these ideas be overwhelming kind of you know counterproductive um the other thing though is you as siblings really do need to strive to be on the same page because a sibling who thinks they know better than another sibling can cause a huge ruckus mm-hmm. um so in fact there's a name for them, they're called <laughs> Pelican siblings. And Pelican siblings are usually the out-of-town siblings mm-hmm. who, when they, you know, they're going about their lives, they're not the ones that are daily taking care of mom and dad and kind of seeing what's going on on a regular basis. So when they fly in and they're oftentimes shocked by either the physical or the mental decline of mom and dad, then they all of a sudden are in a flurry of, oh, we have to do this, and oh, we have to do that, and you're doing this wrong as a sibling, and you're doing this wrong, and we should be doing this. And then they cause this big commotion, and then they fly out. So right. the pelican analogy is they fly in, they just crap all over everything, and then they fly out. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're called pelican siblings. <laughs> and why you not? you may not be able to stop that in the thing, but if you get that pelican who comes in to talk to you, the other siblings mm-hmm. first about things. So then maybe you can address, yep, we've already addressed that. Or I know yeah. you see this kind of decline. We've already addressed that. So in talking to the siblings about it and you guys hashing out versus going to the parents and getting them riled up or stirred up and or upset. So right. that's the key. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about talking to your aging parents about their finances. Now, we've already covered some of the more emotional aspects with it and getting over your reluctance to actually start and have that conversation. Now, I want to talk a little bit about once you've started the conversation, what are the components of it that really you need to make sure are in place so you're helping your parent in a way that's most effective. So one of the things is, first of all, is you do need to gather details about their finances. And that's everything from their bills to their cash flow to their investment assets. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that all those things, you know what type of accounts they have, where they're at, where the policies are, um, and understand how those policies work or like if they're designed for income or whatever. You need to understand things about them, who manages them, like who their financial planner is or Mm -hmm. who their insurance agent is. So you can understand how those work, where they are, and if something happens to them, who you need to call. Now, we have built some good resources at Stirk Financial Services that can help you with this. We have some good um, structures where you can keep track of what the bills are when they're due, where the assets are, kind of creating some checklists for yourself, even being you know able to keep track of some of the records from the health side of things, like what is their Medicare you know card? What Do you have copies of that? What prescriptions are they on? Who are their doctors? Things like that, okay? But when you're when you're dealing with the financial side of it, there is one thing that I really want to key in on, and that is giving you an understanding of some of the framework of thought that your parents may have. So financial means is often a very emotional subject, particularly for a parent who lived through or who was a young child during the Great Depression, mm-hmm. because they saw 
family and friends. They had associates. They know of people. They heard the horror stories. They might have lived the horror stories of people who lost everything overnight. Right. And that is a lesson that was deeply ingrained in them as a young person and is not something that they are ever likely to not be thinking about when it comes to finance. Right. It'll always be on their mind there. Yeah. So the impact of that time on the generation that suffered from it has not disappeared. Now, even if they didn't live through it themselves, if their parents had a very difficult time during the Depression, it will have rubbed off on them too because Mm -hmm. they will have been raised with this attitude of scarcity and fear surrounding money. And oftentimes, even if they have lots of money, they will always worry there's not enough food in the refrigerator. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. I would say um, just maybe impulse buying or or binge buying or, you know, stocking up constantly. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you don't need to keep buying this. So again, eight kids in my family, we had to have a lot of food in the house. (laughs) My mom still has probably way more food in the house that she needs. Mm -hmm. She still has, you know, all the bedrooms in the house and, you know, the bedding and all this type of stuff, things that she thinks that she still needs to go out and buy and do. So that is a big shift for them when they Mm -hmm. don't have to do that. But I see that she still does that quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So just be aware that the the level of... um financial conversation is a different, usually emotional feeling for your aging parents than it is for you because of the experiences they had growing up with money are going to be different than what your experiences are. Right. So it's important not to come in and be like changing, you know, when you understand what their finances are, to come in and tell them that they need to do something different. Just really understand what Mm -hmm. their goals are and let that be. So it's not for you to change it. it. Right. Yep. Now, that may mean that once you're gathering their financial information that you start having conversations with their trusted advisor, too. So maybe that means you're going to go to the tax preparation appointment with them or you're going to go have a conversation with them and the attorney to make sure you understand their estate planning or you're going to go to the financial planning review so you understand what the assets are, how they can use them, what their purpose is and things like that. Okay, so if you feel uncomfortable with an advisor, it's within your you know, relative purview to say, gosh, I'm not sure I like them. Tell me why you like them and have a conversation Mm -hmm. about it. And then maybe some change might be instituted. But it's not a good idea to just rip through and say, we're getting rid of all of your people. We're not using my people now. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's going to put a halt to that conversation. And then it's going to cut you out from really them wanting to share anymore. So you really have to respect their wishes. But it's also important that you do it. Really, it's it's there to like identify any gaps or missing or Mm -hmm. things that holes in the in the planning that you see. That's really what you want to bring up. Yep. Now, you also want to make sure that your parents do have their estate planning ducks in a row. So as mercenary as it may feel like, you do want to make sure that they have beneficiaries on everything that they own Mm -hmm. in the correct way. Now, it's better to do this when your parents are of sound mind then once they are already into like a full-blown dementia or something like that, because then you can be accused by siblings or other people of self-dealing, especially if beneficiaries get changed and you're one of them, Mm -hmm. right? But you do want to do that beneficiary check and make sure all the ducks are in a row. Um, Sometimes this can cause problems between siblings because you might have that rogue sibling who talked him into leaving them a bunch of stuff and you uncover it at this phase. So hopefully that's not part of your experience, but if it is – then you have some at least time to try to deal with that before it's too late. Right. But your parents do need to have a will. 
they need to have a financial power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney. At the very least, that three pack of documents is what needs to be on file for your aging parents. So if you're going through their information and find that they don't have those, I really strongly suggest that you help them connect in with a good estate planning attorney and get those legal documents set up. Right. The will is for when they pass on is to you know transfer all that property and things. But while they're alive, the power of attorney, is those are really important documents because if something happens to them and they're incompetent or unable to handle those, whether it's finances or make medical decisions, if they don't have a power of attorney in place, you're not going to be able to help them with anything. Right. And it's a mess. You it know, can be a huge trying mess. to get those things appointed after the fact that there's a problem is, is much more difficult and costly than just getting it done ahead of time. Exactly. Another part of the discussion you're going to want to have with your parents is surrounding long-term care planning. So long-term care planning can be a variety of things that this conversation is about, but one of them is really about the housing issue. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's where they live now, but what's their goal for their housing as they continue to age? Do they need to downsize? Do they want to try to stay in the family home as long as they can? Do they want to go to a retirement community? If they have to go to a nursing home, what do they want to have happen? But those are the conversations that are are really strongly suggested to have. So you know what their wishes are. Right. So if one of them wants to stay in the home as long as possible, that might be the key. But if they say, hey, if one of them is going to the assisted living, we're both going to go. You know, you just got to understand what their wishes are. So you're really honoring that to the best potential. But then also to understand what things need to be done if you're going to have to help them either downsize or look for another home. Yeah. You know, you might end up having someone living in your home. We see that <laughs> if more you're not and more. having the right conversations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we see sometimes two people, young or adult children, having to quit their job to provide the care for their parents because the financial planning hasn't been put into place. Mm-hmm. And wanna, that's rough. Right. And you want to make sure if there is financial planning, like long-term care insurance or something like that, that those policies are reviewed because mm-hmm. those things can change. And you want to make sure that it's a good plan. It's it's going to be doing what it's supposed to, whether it was intended to do. So. Right. And if your parents are still healthy enough, they might still qualify for long-term mm-hmm. care. And having that as a piece of their puzzle might help everybody. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Now, the thing that I also, I guess I want to kind of end with here is don't get discouraged if your parents are reluctant to talk to you. It's part of their generation. It's part of feeling private. It's part of the inherent taboo that the older generation has about money that they don't necessarily want to talk about it. But... If you are a listener and you are the person who needs your child to maybe start helping you, I want to tell you that you being open to talk to them and you helping create an organized way of structuring this conversation is perhaps one of the biggest gifts that you can give to Mm -hmm. your children. It truly is because they do probably want to help you. Yeah, exactly. They don't necessarily know how to go about doing it. (laughs) And if you as the parent can give this one gift to your children to help ease this transition in life, then everyone's better off. Right. And if you keep seeing some reluctance, a lot of times a third party or a planner or somebody Mm -hmm. like that can help get the conversation going too. So that's another thing that you can take a look at. Right. Okay. So we've talked about quite a few things to know about having these conversations with your parents. It is a conversation that can't wait. There are ways to have a smoother conversation to get at your point across if it's planned out and kind of thoughtful. Getting your siblings involved if you have them is important so that everybody's on the same page and people understand what their responsibilities are to help their parents. And it also prevents infighting between siblings if people think they're not holding up their end of the bargain. 
You can use a story to start the conversation, whether the experience is yours or it's an experience you've heard about, to illustrate your point of why you want to have the conversation. Being calm about it and understanding your parents' perspective about money is super important because that's really going to help break the ice and let that conversation be more effective. And then the things that you need to gather are information about their financials, their incomes, their assets, their advisors. You need to make sure they have their estate planning documents in place. And it's really important to discuss the long-term care planning goals that your parents have all the way from housing to the care that they would like and where they want to be for that care. And if you can wind all of those things into the conversation, you're going to open it up in such a way that you as an adult child really can help your aging parent in a way that's going to add value and help your relationship grow instead of cause any type of problem or awkwardness in it. So we hope that's been valuable information for you people who are out there thinking about the need to talk to your aging parents about their finances. And if you have questions about anything or if you want to evaluate some of the financial aspects that you feel, then feel free to reach out to Julie. We can help you do that. And thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.